Section six of Rock Crystal by Adelbert Stifter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. From the ice, they took a direction downward over the snow, which was to lead them into the valley. But they were not to get far. Another river of ice traversed the soft snow like a gigantic wall bulging up and towering aloft and as it were reaching out with its arms to the right and the left it was covered by snow on top but at its sides there were gleams of blue and green and drab and black ay even of yellow and red they could now see to larger distances as the enormous and unceasing snowfall had abated somewhat and was only as heavy as on ordinary snowy days with the audacity of ignorance they clambered up on the ice in order to cross the interposing tongue of the glacier and to descend farther behind it they thrust their little bodies into every opening they put their feet on every projection covered by a white snow hood whether ice or rock they aided their progress with their hands they crept where they could not walk and with their light bodies worked themselves up until they had finally gained the top of the wall they had intended to climb down its other side there was no other side as far as the eyes of the children reached there was only ice hummocks slabs and spires of ice rose about them all covered with snow instead of being a wall which one might surmount and which would be followed by an expanse of snow as they had thought new walls of ice lifted up out of the glacier shattered and fissured and variegated with innumerable blue sinuous lines and behind them were other walls of the same nature and behind them others again until the falling snow veiled the distance with its gray sana we cannot make our way here said the boy no answered his sister then we will turn back and try to get down somewhere else yes conrad the children now tried to climb down from the ice wall where they had clambered up but they did not succeed there was ice all about them as if they had mistaken the direction from which they had come they turned hither and thither and were not able to extricate themselves from the ice it was as if they were entangled in it at last when the boy followed the direction they had as he thought come they reached more scattered boulders but they were also larger and more awe-inspiring as is usually the case at the edge of the glacier creeping and clambering the children managed to issue from the ice at the rim of the glacier there were enormous boulders piled in huge heaps such as the children had never yet seen many were covered all over with snow others showed their slanting undersides which were very smooth and finely polished as if they had been shoved along on them many were inclined toward one another like huts and roofs many lay upon another like mighty clods not far from where the children stood several boulders were inclined together and over them lay broad slabs like a roof the little house they thus formed was open in front but protected in the rear and on both sides 
the interior was dry as not a single snowflake had drifted in the children were very glad that they were no longer in the ice but stood on the ground again but meanwhile it had been growing dark sana said the boy we shall not be able to go down to-day because it has become night and because we might fall or even drop into some pit we will go in under those stones where it is so dry and warm and where we will wait the sun will soon rise again and then we shall run down from the mountain don't cry please don't cry and i shall give you all the things to eat which grandmother has given us to take along the little girl did not weep after they had entered under the stone roof where they could not only sit comfortably but also stand and walk about she seated herself close to him and kept very quiet mother will not be angry said conrad we shall tell her of the heavy snow that has kept us and she will say nothing father will not either and if we grow cold why then we must slap our hands to our bodies as the woodcutters did and then we shall grow warm again yes conrad said the girl sana was not at all so inconsolable because they could not run down the mountain and get home as he might have thought for the immense exertion of whose severity the children hardly had any conception made the very sitting down seem sweet to them unspeakably sweet and they did not resist but now hunger asserted itself imperiously almost at the same time both took their pieces of bread from their pockets and began to eat they ate also the other things such as little pieces of cake almonds raisins and other trifles which grandmother had put into their pockets sana now we must clean the snow from our clothes said the boy so that we shall not become wet yes conrad replied sana the children went before their little house conrad first brushed off his little sister he grasped the corners of her coat and shook them took off the hat he had put on her head emptied it of snow and wiped off the snow that remained in it then he rid himself as best he could of the snow that lay on him at that time it had entirely stopped snowing the children could not feel one flake descending they returned into their stone hut and sat down getting up had showed them how tired they really were and they were glad to sit down again conrad laid down the calfskin bag which he had strapped on his shoulders he took out the cloth in which grandmother had wrapped a pasteboard box and several paper packages and put it about his shoulders for greater warmth he also took the two pieces of wheat bread out of his wallet and gave sana both the child ate them most eagerly a part of them however she gave back to conrad as she saw he was not eating anything he accepted it and ate it from that time on the children merely sat and looked as far as the eye could reach in the twilight there was nothing but snow whose minute crystals began to scintillate in a strange manner as if they had absorbed the light of day and were emitting it again now night fell with the rapidity usual in high altitudes soon it was dark all about only the snow continued to glimmer faintly not only had it stopped snowing but the clouds began to grow thin and to part for the children saw the gleam of a star 
as the snow really emitted light as it were and the clouds no longer hung down from the sky they could see from their cave how the snowy hillocks round about were sharply outlined against the dark sky the cave was warmer than it had been at any other place during the day and so the children rested clinging closely to each other and even forgot to be afraid of the darkness soon the stars multiplied they gleamed forth now here now there until it seemed that there was not a single cloud left in the whole sky this was the moment when people in the valleys are accustomed to light their candles at first only one is kindled in order to make light in the room or possibly only a pine splinter or the fire is burning in the hearth and all windows of human habitations grow bright and shed lustre into the snowy night but all the more to-night christmas evening when many more lights are kindled in order to shine full upon the presents for the children which lay upon the tables or hung on the trees innumerable candles were lit for in nearly every house every cot every room there were children for whom the christ child had brought presents which had to be shown by the light of candles the boy had thought one could very quickly come down from the mountain and yet not a single one of the lights burning that night in the valley shone up to them they saw nothing but the pale snow and the dark sky all else was rendered invisible by the distance at this hour the children in all valleys were receiving their christmas presents these two alone sat up there by the edge of the glacier and the finest presents meant for them on this day lay in little sealed packages in the calfskin bag in the rear of the cave the snow clouds had sunk below the mountains on all sides and a vault entirely dark blue almost black full of densely clustered burning stars extended above the children and through the midst of them was woven a shimmering broad milky band which they had indeed seen also below in the valley but never so distinctly the night was advancing the children did not know that the stars changed their position and moved toward the west else they might have recognized the hour of night by their progress new stars came and the old ones disappeared but they believed them to be always the same it grew somewhat brighter about the children by the radiance of the stars but they saw no valley no known places but everywhere white only white only some dark peak some dark knob became visible looming up out of the shimmering waste the moon was nowhere to be seen in the heavens perhaps it had set early with the sun or it had not yet risen after a long time the boy said sana you must not sleep for do you remember what father said that if one sleeps in the mountains one will freeze to death as the old hunter slept and sat four months dead on that stone and no one had known where he was no i shall not sleep said the little girl feebly conrad had shaken her by a corner of her coat in order to make her listen to his words 
Then there was silence again. After a little while, the boy felt a soft pressure against his arm, which became ever heavier. Sana had fallen asleep and had sunk over toward him. Sana, don't sleep! Please, don't sleep! he said. No, she mumbled drowsily. I shall not sleep. He moved farther away from her in order to make her move. She toppled over and would have continued sleeping on the ground. He took hold of her shoulder and shook her. As he moved a little more, he noticed that he was feeling cold himself and that his arm had grown numb. He was frightened and jumped up. He seized his sister, shook her more vigorously, and said, "'Sana, get up a little. We want to stand up a little, so that we shall feel better.' "'I am not cold, Conrad,' she answered. "'Yes, indeed you are, Sana. Get up!' he cried. "'My fur jacket is warm,' she said. "'I shall help you up,' he said. "'No,' she replied, and lay still. Then something else occurred to the boy. Grandmother had said, "'Just one little mouthful of it will warm the stomach so that one's body will not be cold on the coldest winter day.' He reached for his little calfskin knapsack, opened it, and groped around in it until he found the little flask into which Grandmother had put the black coffee for Mother. He took away the wrappings from the bottle and, with some exertion, uncorked it. Then he bent down to Sana and said, Here's the coffee that grandmother sends mother. Taste a little of it. It will make you feel warm. Mother would give it to us if she knew what we needed it for. The little girl, who was by nature inclined to be passive, answered, I am not cold. Just take a little, urged the boy, and then you may go to sleep again. This expectation tempted Sana, and she mastered herself so far that she took a swallow of the liquor. Then the boy drank a little, too. The exceedingly strong extract took effect at once, and all the more powerfully, as the children had never in their life tasted coffee. Instead of going to sleep, Sana became more active and acknowledged that she was cold, but that she felt nice and warm inside and that the warmth was already passing into her hands and feet. The children even spoke a while together. In this fashion they drank ever more of the liquor, in spite of its bitter taste, as the effect of it began to die away, and roused their nerves to a fever heat which was able to counteract their utter weariness. It had become midnight, meanwhile. As they still were so young, and because on every Christmas Eve, in the excess of their joy, they went to bed very late, and only after being overcome by sleep, they never had heard the midnight tolling, and never the organ of the church when Holy Mass was being celebrated, although they lived close by. At this moment of the holy night, all bells were being rung. The bells of Millsdorf were ringing. The bells of Gescheit were ringing and behind the mountain there was still another church whose three bells were pealing brightly. In the distant lands outside the valley there were innumerable churches and bells, and all of them were ringing at this moment from village to village. The wave of sound traveled. From one village to another one could hear the peal through the bare branches of the trees. 
but up to the children there came not a sound nothing was heard there for nothing was to be announced here in the winding valleys the lights of lanterns gleamed along the mountain slopes and from many a farm came the sound of the farm bell to rouse the hands but far less could all this be seen and heard up here only the stars gleamed and calmly twinkled and shone end of section six